Thank you for listening to the Reclaim Church podcast. We hope that this message is a blessing to your life. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX. Now please enjoy this message. And so we read in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Next week we're going to be getting into the next scripture and, and we'll get there next week. But if you want to read ahead, you can. But, but th- this week we're focusing on this verse 44. And, and something about this scripture, it kind of stood out to me, is that the man was not looking for the treasure. He stumbled upon this treasure. The man was not searching for something. It just happened to him. It just, it's just something that he experienced. And it was like this moment of, oh my gosh, I found something so valuable and worth so much that I'm going to give everything that I own and sell everything that I have so that I, I can afford this. I can buy this field. And, and what I love about the scripture is he wasn't looking for it. In the next scripture, we're going to see that, that the, the, the treasure or what's called the pearl of great price, the man was looking for this. But in this scripture, the man just stumbles upon this experience of value. He stumbles upon this experience of treasure, and he sells everything that he has. But, but what's what's what I what we notice in this scripture is that this experience created or required a decision to be made. It put him in a moment of decision to sell everything he had to buy it, or to go on his way. He could have said, "Well." I can't really afford that. It's not in my account right now. I don't really want to give up, you know, my house. I don't really want to give up my treasure that I already have. So I'm not going to buy it. He could have said, I'm just going to go on my way. The odds of somebody else finding it, you know, I could probably leave it, come back in a couple years, right, when I can afford it. He could have went on his way, but he had that choice. And so obviously we see that the decision that he made was to give everything that he had and to buy the field so that he could have this treasure that he found. And so in John chapter 6, verse 53, we find a story in Scripture that kind of gives us a good idea, a real-life experience of a moment of decision. And so we see that this is after Jesus feeds the 5,000. This is after that Jesus is followed by thousands of people because he's doing such great works. And and so it it comes to this moment and says, uh, I'll start in verse 52. It says, the Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat, because this is where Jesus was saying, well, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, that sounds crazy, but we understand what he's saying today. So verse 53 says, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. See, what's happening here before I finish is, as you, you can read it, and you can be like, man, that sounds really weird. Why would Jesus say this? But Jesus is saying things to to us and to them that only the Holy Spirit can reveal to us so that we can understand what he's really saying. Because remember when we talked about the parables, what does he say? He says, I'm 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 giving the secrets of heaven away that can really only be understood by the gifting of wisdom which comes from the fear of the Lord. Right? So Jesus is saying things that sound crazy, but if if you're led by the Holy Spirit, you understand what he's saying. So it sounds crazy, but it's not crazy. 
Verse 55 says, For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him as the living Father sent me. And I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers, excuse me, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Verse 60 says, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe me, for Jesus knew from the beginning who was who. Uh, excuse me, who those who were who were didn't who did not believe, and who it was who would betray him. And he said, "This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father." After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus is laying this this moment out, and he's saying, "Listen, you have to eat my flesh, or and drink my blood." But then he says. The flesh gives no power or no life. It's all from the spirit. And the spirit reveals these things to us. So what is he saying? He's saying if you don't abide in the spirit of God or if, you're not get, if, if you don't get your life from Jesus, then there really is no life at all. But what's happening is we see that these people had stumbled upon Jesus. They were following Jesus because of what he was doing and what he was giving. We notice that it's called, they're called his disciples. There was a lot of them. And they had this moment of decision. He said, basically, this is it. This is the line that I'm drawing. Either you come and you follow me or you don't. But this is what it is to follow me. And so these, these people had come to a moment of decision. They stumbled upon Jesus. They experienced the power and the presence of God. And they had a moment of decision. Do I want to go all out or do I want to stay where I am? See, our, our experience with Christ, our experience with God will require a decision. Will I sell everything that I have and follow him? Or will I go on my way? There are those moments when we feel God. You ever have those moments in your life when you're like, okay, I know he's real. Or okay, I know what he's saying to me, right? Those moments in church when we're lifting our hands or kind of like, you know, trying to, trying to worship without looking too weird. I, I get it, right? And, and, and we feel God. It's like, okay, I know he's, I know he's real. I know he, he's speaking to me. In these moments when he becomes real to us, it's in those moments that God will show himself to us to give us an opportunity to make a choice. Do I sell everything that I have and follow him? Or do I go on my way? But a choice is required. We talked about this a little bit last week, but this is the truth, is that to experience the presence of God is free, but to walk in his presence daily will cost you. Because you can come to church and you can be involved and you could feel the goosebumps and feel the emotions of the presence and you could feel that good sermon or that, that good word and that good worship and you can feel the presence and you can leave and you can go, go on your way and you could live life like you always have or, or go back to your old habits or hobbies or whatever it is. But to walk in the presence of God is different. To actually have the presence dwelling in you daily and going to the market and going to your job and going to your family and the presence comes with you, that will cost you something. 
But to be a part of a church and to experience his presence from time to time, that's free. But the price of his presence is worth it. Check this out. After Jesus, after, in, after verse 66, it says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him. I like how he just, Simon, Peter just answered for everybody, right? He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. See, the disciples, they knew his words. And they knew that he was all that they needed. So when it came to this moment of decision, and Jesus, this is the crazy thing about God, and, and this is what I think is so crazy about churches when they just try to keep people for the sake of keeping people. Jesus gave them an opportunity to leave. He said, listen, okay, they all left. Like all the thousands of people that were with me, they're gone now. Do you want to go too? Like you have this choice, right? You can, you can walk away. Jesus was fully prepared to fulfill the will of God without the 12. He was ready to walk alone to the, cro to the cross, which he eventually did. He looks at them and he says, do you want to go as well? But they knew his words. See, this is the truth, is that a distant follower is only interested in the miracles. But a true close disciple is interested in him. A true disciple of God will sell what they have to be in his presence. But a distant follower will say, I'm good with the emotions. I'm good with the, the tingling. I'm good with the good worship. And I'm good with just my Sundays. I can't give up my Monday through Saturday, but I'm good with my Sundays. That's a distant follower. Those are the 5,000 that said, okay, I got my fish and I got my bread and I got my healing and I got my miracle. So you know what, Jesus, you're getting a little too crazy for me, so I'm going to leave. But a close disciple, someone who really loves the Lord and someone who really wants to walk with him, will say, wait, hold on. Jesus, I have nowhere else to go. Because of what you say and because of who you are, anything else that can come my way is not worth it. Because we see the value of his presence. We see the value of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but, but sometimes it's hard to see the value, right? Sometimes it's hard to see, why, why, why should I sell it all? Why should I, I can't give that up. I can't, that's crazy. Like, that's crazy. But this is the good thing about God, is he rewards those who sacrifice. He rewards those who sacrifice. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 28 through 29, Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the, in, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on the glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the, tribes, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. The Lord does not forget your sacrifice. 
He doesn't forget what you've given up for him. He doesn't forget the pain that you went through when your family was like, wait a minute, you're a Christian now? He doesn't forget the the loneliness that you felt when your friends didn't want to follow or didn't want to walk with you anymore because now you're walking with Jesus and now you begin to change. And and that pain that comes in your life when when you've given everything up to be with Jesus, he doesn't forget those sacrifices. He doesn't forget the times that you give when you really can't. Right? Anybody been there before? When you give and you really can't, you're like, hold up, I see my bank account. I know what I have to give, but I see what I can give, but I give what I have to give, and it doesn't really make sense. He doesn't forget those moments. He doesn't forget those times. He does not forget your sacrifice. He's not that kind of God. He knows how much it costs you. Even in the, in the, in the Bible, it says count the cost before you decide to follow because it costs a lot to follow Jesus. But he does not forget what you give up, but he knows that what he has is any, it's greater than anything that you could possibly sacrifice. It's this treasure of his presence. It's this, this moment of, this is all I want. This is all that I want. Jesus, I just want you. I just want you. I don't care about anything else. I just want you. Now, we have it put in our head that if, if you're a real follower of Jesus and, you've, you know, you've got to be poor and you can't have anything good in life because if you have anything good, that means you're not really following. That's not true. The Lord blesses those who live for him. The Bible says that, it says in, I believe it's in the book of Psalms, that it says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread because God provides to those who sacrifice for him. He won't forget what you give up. He doesn't forget what you've, what you've let go in order to be in his presence. You know, just, I think it was just the other day, I was just like so amazed at how good God's been to my family. And I, like, I, I, we went to Chick-fil-A, which is, we all know, heaven on earth, praise the Lord. Um, you know, I got to admit, and I'll, I will admit this to you guys, I always talk about in and out at this point in my life, I would rather have Chick-fil-A than In-N-Out. But I will never choose Whataburger over In-N-Out. And that'll never happen. If anybody go to my Facebook, there's a video about a rat running around, uh, Whataburger, french fries, so just for you guys. Just thought I'd throw that in. Maybe you need to sacrifice Whataburger for the presence of God, amen? (laughs) But I was hanging out with my family, and, and we were driving home, and I was like, babe, this is like the first time in my life where I was out with my, my kids. Are, I love my children, okay? Don't get me wrong. I love my kids. But those of you who have young kids or have had young kids, you know that when you go out with them, especially when you're outnumbered, it is not easy. It's crazy. Like sometimes I'm like, like we had this new routine where we just pick up food, eat in the car because it's easier, right? It's just eat in the car, and then, you know, then we go wherever we're going. But, but I went out, and I, we had a great time. My kids were behaving Lucas wasn't screaming. Liam wasn't running. Like, it was just perfect. Liam was sharing his ice cream with Rylan. I was like, what? Like, Lord, you do miracles. <laughs> like, this is great. But, but I just, I was driving home, and I just, I was just so thankful because our life is so blessed. We don't, I don't have what I deserve. I have more than I deserve. And it's because we've decided as a family to pursue his presence over anything else. His presence is our priority. 
His presence is our goal. His presence is our destination. His presence is what we desire over anything else. We're not about money. We give away money when the Lord tells us. You know why? Because his presence is more valuable than the money in our bank. We buy people things when he tells us. You know why? Because his presence is more valuable than our sacrifice. We give things away. We do what he says. We left California to come to Texas. Why? Because we want to be with him. We want to be with him. And because we want to be with him, wherever we're at, we're blessed. Because we're with him. We can be without anything else, but if we have him, we're rich. Do you get what I'm saying this morning? And I think if we come to this place where nothing else matters but his presence, then wherever you're at, you're blessed. But Jesus will bring us to these moments of decision. When you experience him and you feel his presence, you have this moment. Do I go all in or do I go on my way? I know the gospel. I know the Bible. I know what the church says. I know that he died for me. I know that he covers my sins. I know that I can, I can know him and I know that I can go to heaven. I know that sin is wrong and I know that hell is real and I know all these things. You, we all know that. We've heard it our whole life, right? But what are you going to do with that information? Are you going to sell all that you have to be with him or are you going to go on your way and live the same way that you've always lived? We have this moment of decision. And this is the funny thing is that we expect these moments to be destroyed by large things in life. Like, we expect, like, okay, if somebody loses every dollar that they have or somebody loses their house, like, that's going to be the moment they walk away from God. Or if somebody, there's a death, a significant death in the family. Now, sometimes it does happen, and, and we're not insensitive about that. We want to pray with those people that lose everything. But we think, like, oh, if they lose everything, then they'll, then they'll leave God. But can I tell you, that's not really the case. Because God encounters are diminished, not by crazy things in life, but God encounters are dim diminished by small distractions. It's not these crazy things that happen that, that put us in a place of, I can't follow God. It's the little daily small distractions that take away from our God encounter. In Luke chapter 9, verse 57 through 62, <clears throat> it says, As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Don't change the scripture. You leave it right there. This man, whoever said it, was saying, I'm in. I made my decision to follow you. I'm going with you. And then Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. See, these people were already making their decisions to follow Christ. But then there was a but first moment. There was that moment of, yes, I'm all in. I want to go. I want to follow you. But first, let me fix this. Now we may say, hey, that guy's, his dad died. Like, that's pretty significant. But that's not, what this, that's not what's happening. The, the guy is basically waiting for his father to die. Saying, when he does die, I'll go. So we get these moments with God, right? You ever have the moment with the Lord in the church or wherever you're at and you're like, this is it. Like, I'm never turning back now. 
Right? We have, that's, that's why we could be touched by God but not changed. Because we'll get those moments. We make a decision like, I'm all in. And then we go home. Right? And then it's not that we get into a big fight with our wife or our spouse. It's not that we, you know, something crazy happens at our job. You know what happens when we get home? We go and we sit on the couch. We take a little nap, Sunday naps. Come on. Right? Then we put on football or whatever you're watching. I don't know what you like to watch, but put on the game. You put on, right? And then you're like, oh, I got to get ready for dinner. Oh, I got to get ready for work tomorrow, right? And then Monday comes. You wake up in the morning. You're like, oh, man, I got to go. I gotta, I'm late to work, right? Okay, I'm going to get to work now. Then you come home. Oh, I got to make dinner for the kids. I got to get them ready for school, whatever, whatever your routine is, right? And then by the time next Sunday comes, you're like, oh, my gosh, I never prayed. Like, I made this decision to follow the Lord, and this whole week I never prayed. I never opened my Bible. Why? It wasn't because the devil came and stopped you, right? Like, it's not like he slammed your door open and, like, you know, kicked it down and said, hey, wait, 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 wait. Don't read your word. Don't pray. No, what happened? It was the small distractions of life that got you to the place where you went a week without seeking the Lord. This is making sense this morning. Remember, guys, we're learning. you got to talk back to me. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm, yeah, come on. Like, preach. That's all right. You know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like, you could just, mm, like, that's good right there, right? Like, whatever you feel comfortable with. But come on, help me out. But we make these decisions, and then they're, 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 they're diminished by small distractions. They're diminished by the little things in life. It's not that they're anything crazy. And it's not that they're wrong. You know, like, you should cook your kids food. Like, that's a good thing. You should give them a bath once in a while, right? That's a good thing. Those things are not bad. But if we let them distract us from the presence of God in our life, then those things become priority. And when they become priority, they become a distraction. And then when they become a distraction, they diminish the encounter with God that we have. Amen. Thank you. We ignore spiritual change because of physical distractions. Matthew chapter 13, verse 22, it says, The seed cast in the weeds is the person who hears the kingdom news, but weeds of worry and delusions about getting more and wanting everything under the sun strangle what was heard, and nothing comes of it. Nothing happens. Why? Because after they heard it, they went and worried about things that they shouldn't worry about. They wouldn't care about, now, now again, I'm not saying that, that you have to like, you know, don't be like that weirdo that's like, oh, I can't go anywhere. I just got to be in my room and pray every 24-7. It's like, no, you got to eat and you got you to gotta be a light to the world. And if you're never getting out of your house, how are you a light to the world, right? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is prioritize your relationship with the Lord. Prioritize him. Like I was putting my sermon together. and Can I be honest with you a little bit? I was putting my sermon together, and it, my, it was my daughter's birthday this weekend. Happy birthday to my beautiful, beautiful baby. She's three. She's a three-nager, right? Is that what they call them? She's crazy, but I love her. Um, she's never getting married. I just got to throw that out. And anyway, so, I, you know, it was a crazy week, and, and I was putting the sermon together, and it was just like, it was one of those weeks where I'm like, oh, I don't even know if I have enough time to do this. Like, you know, you, 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 when you need more time in the day, and... And I was putting it together, and the Lord was like, hey, I need you to stop, and I need you to just, just, just pray. Just seek me. I'm like, okay, pray about the sermon, though? And he's like, no. Like, just spend time with me. So I put this down, and I just prayed. 
I just spent time with the Lord. Because his presence is a priority. His presence, his presence is more important than, than what we can have or what we can do during the day. But see, his presence requires our attention. In Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42, it says, And now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her and said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. And Martha, she was not doing anything bad. She wasn't going anywhere bad. She was trying to make Jesus some food, man. Like, that's a good thing. But what is he saying? He's like, no, no, no. You're worried about the things that aren't as important as what she found, which is the presence. You're worried about all these little things. That's like, you ever wonder, like, when you go to pray, like, that's when you're like, oh, I got to pay that bill, and I got to balance my budget, right, right? As soon as you get into the moment, I'm going to seek God, and you get on your knees, you're like, Lord, and then I don't know where you're like, how the heck did I start thinking about this? Like, you ever get there, anybody else, right? You're praying, and then you're like, wow, I'm thinking about the Lakers now. Why am I thinking about the Lakers? How did this happen? Like, I shouldn't be here, and you got to, like, rewind back to where you, why do you think that happens? Because the enemy wants to distract you from entering, entering into the presence of God. Because if he could distract you from entering in the presence, he can keep you unfulfilled. He distracts you by saying, oh, you got to take care of the bills. you got to take care of dinner. Oh, you gotta, you got to go. You gotta, you're going to miss that deal on Amazon, right? You better buy it right now, right? You ever think about like, or you're, you're praying and you're like, oh, I need to buy this for the kitchen. You're like, let me just search on Amazon real quick. It's just me. I do it. Okay. Um, right? But you're praying and you get distracted, right? But then he'll start to say things like, oh, you don't deserve the presence of God. Or, or you're too much of a sinner. Or, or God doesn't love you. It's been six months since you've reached out. He's not, right? He starts distracting you with these things. Why? Because if he can keep you out of the presence of God, he can keep you unfulfilled in your life. Thank you. I will shout everybody out who just does something simple like that. Babe, could you come play, please? Thank you so much. <clears throat> and it's funny, that, and that's, you know, I think that's why the enemy just lets us run with our flesh. Like, sometimes he's not even the one messing up your life. It's just us, right? Like, it's just me like, making bad decisions. But he'll just let us be distracted. He's almost, sometimes he's probably like, I don't need to mess with that person. Like, they just, they don't, they don't really pray anyway. Not anybody over here. Like, let me point this way. Like, <laughs> that person. Right? Because he understands, the devil knows, that if he can keep you out of the presence of God, he can keep you searching for something you'll never find until you get into the presence of God. Right? He'll keep you looking like, well, I got to get the right career. And I, or maybe then I'll be fulfilled. Maybe when I get that raise, then I'll be fulfilled. Maybe when I graduate, then I'll be fulfilled. Maybe when I get married, then I'll be fulfilled. Maybe when I have a kid, then I'll, right? When we're constantly searching and we're searching and we're searching for fulfillment. Why? Because we're out of the presence. But if we can get into the place where we're in the presence every day and the Lord is, he's with us and we're walking with him and he lives inside of us and our lives are really dedicated to him. Can I tell you, that's where your fulfillment will come. I just got a bleacher report notice. That's where your fulfillment will, will come. It's in the presence of God. Matthew 6, verse 33 
says, but seek first the kingdom of God. Now, what did Jesus say to the Pharisees? He says, you're looking for the kingdom all around, but the kingdom is in the midst of you. Who is the kingdom? The kingdom is Jesus. It's the presence. Now, when I talk about the presence of God, I'm not talking about the emotion. I'm not talking about the feel goods, right? When, I'm, when I talk about the presence of God, I'm talking about Jesus himself coming to know you. When you really encounter him and you really know him, that's the presence. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God or seek first the presence of God or seek first God. Seek first Jesus and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Everything you worry about, everything you wonder about, everything you're anxious for, everything you're distracted by, all those things that you worry about will be added to your life if you will learn to seek Jesus first. If you will learn to just be with him. Sometimes, you know, when you're fighting, when you're arguing with somebody, sometimes it's not good to just keep saying things. Sometimes it's good to just get away into his presence. Because he'll show you things and you can come out and you can begin to love that person that you were arguing with. Sometimes when you're worried about the bills, you know, it does you know, you know, can I just give you a little tip for life? I know that I'm still kind of young, but let me just give you a little tip. I'm sure some, some of you will agree. You worrying about the money you don't have is not going to put more money in your account. That's just the truth. It's not going to happen. You could worry all day, but you don't get paid to worry. I wish we did, right? We'd be millionaires. We don't get paid to worry. That's not going to fix things. He says, seek first the kingdom. And everything that you're worried about will be added to your life. In his presence, we're fully satisfied. When you get into his presence, you, you go from wanting and desiring things that are not God to being completely and 100% fulfilled by his presence. The Lord has this crazy way of giving us satisfaction and fulfilling us, but also keeping us to the place where we're constantly hungry for him. Constantly desiring him. Let's bow our heads this morning. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX or check us out on our website, ReclaimChurchTX.com. Thank you for listening.